Welcome to Five Strike Weekly, everyone. This week, we give our thoughts on what our new manager, Frank DeBoer, had to say in his first press conference. Plus, the King has signed a new deal. Will this keep Joseph Martinez in Atlanta for the foreseeable future? We break it down next. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe and leave us a good rating. When a club comes like Atlanta United, you have to be interested. Those were Frank DeBoer's words at that introductory press conference, and I think that just speaks volumes. Oh, absolutely. He's saying the right things from the get-go. And I think, yeah, obviously it's your first press conference. You want to say yeah. the things that the fans and the owners and everything wants to hear, but he's already you know, giving that power and that credential to Atlanta United that you know, you haven't really heard from people. This is a guy that's managed Ajax. This is a guy who's managed in Serie A. This is a guy who's managed in the Premier League. And he's saying that when a club like Atlanta, or in this case, that Atlanta came calling, he had to give them a listen. I think for him, there's a lot to, you know, to love about Atlanta for mm -hmm. him to build his career back because he kind of has a chip on his shoulder right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it, you know, wasn't the most successful of spells at Inter Milan or Crystal Palace, but you know, uh, there's a big difference in terms of, I think, ethos and in terms of maybe that winning mentality that we have versus what a Crystal Palace was trying to do. They were trying to stay up. They were trying to not get relegated. But uh, Inter Milan and, you know, they have a flurry of kind of managerial issues and kind of... There was an ownership change at the time yeah, as well. Just a lot of uh, regime changes that uh, probably were not in his favor. And so for him to see Atlanta United as a... Uh, a, a club that is actually moving in not only the right direction, but also uh, matches that ethos, which is that you know that youth academy, uh, bringing up young players, and also you know success in the first team as well. I think that goes hand in hand in what he uh, not only was uh, kind of uh, grown up on, like you know he was the. Ajax uh, Youth Academy director, I mean, yeah. He, he was part of a golden generation with Ajax, that yeah. last Ajax team to win the Champions League in 95. And talking about that ethos, you know, he spoke about how Atlanta has the structures in place for him to be successful and for the club to be successful. When he went to Inter Milan, he had three months and he said, you can't install a system and a structure in three months. You need at least six months. At Crystal Palace, he never even had that chance because it was a club that thought it wanted to change its identity, but didn't realize very quickly that wasn't possible. So here he spoke about how those structures are already in place, mm -hmm. how this club has so many similarities to Ajax, which made it a perfect fit for him. Mm -hmm. And you already touched on it. For me, one of the things that I loved hearing was him talking about youth. Exactly, and he said, I quote, of course the performance of the first team is most important, but when I think a young player is ready to make his debut, I will not hesitate to play him. And I think that's uh, something, you know, that maybe Andrew Carlton, George Bellow, the likes of those guys are, that's music to their ears for sure. And it's just a matter of them making sure that they perform in training and making sure that they can get into the 18, maybe into the starting 11. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's been a lot of questions raised over Carlton's future with the club due to him being excluded from not only the game, the squad, but all the celebrations yeah. following the MLS Cup victory. I think you'll know very quickly whether he does have a future at this club because mm -hmm. he's already been in the first team multiple times. He's been training with them. He's a member of that first team. Mm -hmm. And when the games are coming thick and fast at the beginning of the season, the Champions League and MLS, if he's not getting minutes and he's not getting into that rotation, I think that'll speak a lot to it because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel that he is close to ready and that his next step will be playing with the first team for him mm -hmm. to develop. 
if he's not gonna provide that work ethic and if he's not a member or if he's not a fit in the first team's plans, we'll okay. know rel relatively quickly because I think you'll see the other academy players around him. Mm -hmm. Bello, I think, will be very important. Mm -hmm. And I think depending on how they play and how they do in training, I think Kunga and Gazan potentially could see some minutes, whether it be in a US Open Cup, right. or even if you have to dig into your squad for the MLS, you might see them make the 18 and maybe make a sub appearance. So he brings through those young players and mm -hmm. he will give them a chance. And for me, I'm a very strong proponent of youth. And I think it's a direction that Atlanta United really wants to invest heavily in going forward. And Frank DeBoer is one hell of a guy to have to head that up. Exactly. I mean, he's brought through the likes of guys like Christian Eriksen, like Jan Vertagen, players like that that have uh, gone on to be pretty much uh, superstars in the Prem. So at least uh, there is, uh, you know, that type of... Uh, mentality that he can bring and instill into these youngsters that if you can really show out here you might be able to make you know not only waves in MLS but you know maybe make a move over Europe it's a uh, it's a good thing that uh, he is focusing on this and that the team is focusing on this type of thing because I think this is the next phase of our uh, kind of uh, foundation and I think uh, you have something to say on that though. oh yeah for sure I mean for me it's like it's not only just the young academy players, it's the players that are brought in on you know, transfer. He is very much renowned for developing players, and that takes time, which is why he was so successful at Ajax. I mean, in his six years at Ajax, he brought through over 20 academy graduates. Most players who were successful and worked hard for him moved on to play in the Premier League, or the Bundesliga, or Serie A, or La Liga, the big five European leagues. So you're gonna get a chance. You know, there's, a, there's an old quote, you know, that I always attach to from, you know, that Sir Alex Ferguson used, obviously being an attached Manchester United supporter, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah. And I think that was something that he made very clear yesterday. And I love that. If you're good enough, you, you know, you are old enough to play and they will have a chance. And I think that, you know, Atlanta is looking 10 years into the future. And I think right. hiring DeBoer is, you kind of had the, the foundation in Tata Martino. He was those cinder blocks or whatever you want, that concrete that sets the, the you know, that gets everything else right. Yeah. I think Frank DeBoer can be the floor that everything else on that house is built on. I think that he can really provide that platform for the academy, for young players, to show that vision of what this club wants to become that maybe right. you don't see it while he's manager here, mm -hmm. but I think 10, 15 years from now, you could see the benefits of him having been here and putting these structures in place throughout the academy and the first team to where there's a kid who can join the academy at eight, nine years old, mm -hmm. and he can see a direct path to the first team. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really been discussed a lot recently in world football because you know, you have situations not to get too European on the podcast, but you know, you have a situation like a Callum Hudson Adoy at Chelsea, mm -hmm. which is a club that is renowned for having a very, very good academy that produces a lot of players, but they rarely get chances in the first team and they move on. Atlanta has shown they want to be a club that gives that chance to the first team, you know, from an academy player to the first team. I think by hiring DeBoer, you know, you can really put that structure in place for them to have a clear, direct line to see if I work hard, if I do these things, I can play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium one day. Right. And for me, that's a bit romantic about, you know, sure. and idealistic about the game, but it's just another part about this club that I absolutely love. Right. I think that's the bridge between what Tony Annan and what Georgia United did before with the likes of Bello, with the likes of Carlton. And uh, it's that bridge into making the first team and it's how they can get into the first team and stay there 
like really drive uh, a spot in a wedge into that starting 11 possibly uh, that's that's really that next step for them but, I think you know just to add one more thing onto that that will be really interesting is that the Dutch are very renowned for being technically adept and gifted but they work on it very very hard i think that's something that again you might not see now but moving into the future i think you're going to see a lot more focus given to technically training the fundamentals of our players in the academy to where they are going to be a lot more technically sound when they get to the first team that they're going to be on a level that most mls clubs won't have because a lot of the time especially in the united states it's about playing games right, right. for many people around the rest of the world the dutch specifically they focus on making sure you can understand how to play the game before you learn the tactics and learn all the positions and all the other right. stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that you could expect from Atlanta's academy moving into the future is right. that the players that come from here, whether or not they make it here or not, they're gonna be really, really solid football players. Right, exactly. And I think that's the difference though, is that uh, most of MLS and maybe the academies, I mean, it's probably changing now, but most of them kind of breed more athletes and exactly. versus uh, they're trying to over at Ajax and, and you know places like uh, Barcelona's La Magia and, and places like that where they're trying to breed technical players like they're trying to breed you know players that are good on the ball and you have to know what to do with that ball and uh, know how to move it and know how to to use that ball to your advantage and so that's really I think the the difference and if we can bring that from over there that's really good signs of the future. But that again, that goes back to, you know, how the club wants to play. It goes into that ethos, like you said, of yeah. how the club wants to play. And I think that kind of also kind of leads in nicely to another quote that he had about winning. And that was one quote that kind of left me both happy, but also slightly concerned. Yeah, and uh, so he said, I quote, everyone wants to play dominant football. We're going to try to entertain our fans, but also to win. If I had the choice of winning, it's winning. And so I think with that, you know, he w probably will, uh, you know, kind of uh, let the team play how we've been playing because uh, it's kind of been very successful, at least with uh, Tata Martino and how he was, uh, you know, willing to change and adjust to the opponent. That's how we won our MLS Cup. And so I think there is a little bit of that in the back of his mind. Like, yeah, I'm not going to come in and change too much because he said, uh, quote, what's good is good. And so I think, you know, that's a good mindset. But, you know, if he needs to change something, he's willing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, when I hear that, I immediately think of, you know, valuing winning over anything. And that's I, for me, I guess it kind of comes into a philosophical question almost right. of, you know, do we want to be long-term? Do we want to be the Barcelona where you win, but you win by entertainment and you express yourself and the game is of expression and, and joy? Or is it a win at all costs? We don't care as long as we win type of Real Madrid yeah. type of thing. And obviously that's looking way far into the future, but you know, if there's more clubs like Atlanta United coming into the league, like mm -hmm. a Miami, like your LA clubs, the, the game's gonna consistently be raised and who knows what we're gonna be after World Cup 2026. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, we're setting our foundation for what kind of club we wanna be in the future. For me personally, I'm more of a Barcelona type mm -hmm. mindset where I love, you know, expression, free flowing, attacking. You win, but you also have to win playing the right way. That's right. just how I approach the game or yeah. the way I think of the game. 
but you know, it, it, I guess it is a philosophical debate on that. Right, point. and it's pretty much idealism versus pragmatism, I think, pretty much. I mean, with uh, you know Barcelona being idealism and uh, you know pragmatism being Real Madrid, but I think with that, uh, De Boer strikes me as someone that, with that quote, you know, he's going to be a little bit maybe of a hybrid. I mean, he comes from an Ajax and Barcelona type of uh, you know mindset where yes, there is that idealistic way of playing. He Hangs about four three three a lot, and uh, you know, and uh, which is good for him, but also maybe is a hindrance. Who it's knows? Hindrance, yeah, you know, because you know, if you're stuck into a formation, uh, in which he said that, yeah, I mean, you know, it's there will be cases where you know uh, maybe we play a five three two or a three five two depending on uh, how we're imposing ourselves in that game. But, uh, you know, there is that other aspect. Once he gets himself ingratiated with not only how the players play, but uh, how he wants them to set up, maybe it starts morphing into that 4-3-3. Uh, but also 4-3-3 is very, very... Um, it's fluid. very fluid, it's very, very malleable. Fluid. I mean, 4-3-3 is... Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a chop and change. And yeah. you can set up in a 4-3-3 and it not look anything like that in possession. Right. As and we usually, saw in the playoffs. Yeah, as much. we saw in the playoffs. And I mean, <laughs> I think that's something that you will see with DeBoer. And, yeah. you know, obviously I, I've had my hesitations there, but I just want to say that I'm fully confident in him having seen this whole press conference. I'm really excited about what he has to offer. I think he's going to do very, very well here. And I think in terms of tactics, I think he's probably going to be the most tactically advanced coach in the league. And I think that with the talent that Atlanta United have and potentially could add, I think that we're going to be one step ahead of a lot of clubs that we're playing. And I think it'll be very difficult for other clubs to set up against Atlanta due to the way we're going to play. Because I think it might be more difficult for the players initially to learn his system because mm -hmm. it'll have a few more quirks and be more detail-oriented. That's yeah. what you get with the Dutch. That's what he gets from you know, <laughs> playing under Louis van Gaal, who, as much as I despise that man, that guy has an eye for detail like no one's business. And he sees everything on a pitch. And I think you'll get a little bit of that with Frank DeBoer. So, again, I think that Atlanta will be, in most games, especially in games where they're more talented than the other team, right. I think that there's going to be more games where we might turn teams over and score a nice few goals against them because right. they just won't know what to do. Yeah, and I think what's going to be interesting is how he uses a player like a Joseph Martinez who is not a traditional type of uh, you know striker in any way. I mean, he's uh, kind of more getting in behind uh, you know that type of player where you know height and that type of thing. He's not going to hold up a, a ton, but he has been known to be able to do it. It's just a matter of how he's going to implement a player that has that speed, has that type of uh, you know running behind defenses type of mentality when he hasn't really done that or had players in the past that really uh, you know fit a player like Jose Martinez. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely a very, very big question. I'm glad you brought that up because when you think of how the system works, it's Jose Martinez isn't a player that you would think would traditionally fit a number nine role for a team that plays this way. That being said, Joseph Martinez is so freaking talented yeah. that I think he can do pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. But I also think DeBoer is smart enough to know that you won't cut off your nose to spite your face in terms right. of playing philosophy, mm -hmm. which is a word that he definitely mentioned multiple times throughout his press conference. But due to habit, I automatically just filter out of my brain <laughs> so I don't hear that word anymore. That is such a scary word for me. I, yeah. I, I saw the, the yeah. horror show at... Manchester United with Louis Van Hall. Philosophy! And, yeah, he was the philosopher. And I give you these papers, and you can tell Big Sam if we play long balls. Right. Yeah. And so it's something that, uh, you know, maybe 
if it's a little bit too much Van Hall that there is that, uh, you know, that sideways passing them, I'm kind of afraid of, like, uh, it's something that, you know, yes, you can keep possession very well, but there is the lack of intent. There is that lack of urgency sometimes, and it might get kind of stale sometimes if uh, that is the kind of path that he kind of eventually goes towards. So Maybe, we'll but see. again, at Ajax, his team did score a lot of goals, and he right. did play very aggressive. And I think that Atlanta is very much in a mold of Ajax and that I think without being sounding arrogant, they're a lot better than a lot of other teams in Major League Soccer. And I think that against most teams, they will be better and they will beat them. And again, I think when you're a manager and you're coming into a new place, uh, he's not going to do anything to mess with Joseph Martinez. I mean, he just signed a new contract, which we'll get onto in a second, but he's not going anywhere. So you make him happy. He'll find a way to fit him into his system. And I fully expect Joseph to keep banging in the goals for Atlanta United this season. Right. But uh, let's get on to his technical staff that he had hired. Uh, now, it was announced that Orlando Trustful, his uh, assistant at Ajax in the last year, he was there and also at Inter Milan and Crystal Palace is joining us here. Also, Bob DeClerc of uh, Toronto FC fame as well. Kind of knows MLS a little bit and uh, not a little bit, a lot. And so that's a good uh, guy to have as your kind of maybe left-hand man. Uh, you can kind of explain to you the details of the league right. and being like, hey, this is kind of what happens in this situation. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to have because, so, let's be honest, he's not familiar with the league. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He's he's watched a little bit, and let's be honest, like, it's I don't think probably it's just a little, little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, when he's kind of touching on Rooney and Zlatan, that's basically just like, all right, that's pretty much any outsider who doesn't really watch right. the league very much is going to recognize those two. Right. But I think he'll, he'll get a the date pretty quickly and I think he'll settle in really well. Right. And uh, the holdovers, uh, Rob Valentino of uh, Atlanta 2 moves up into another role and then also Aaron Hyde who was the goalkeeper coach, he stays on and so, you know, there's a little bit of that continuity as well so that's helpful. I think the medical staff I think also stays on the physios and whatnot. But uh, also, yeah, I mean, you you have a, a new video guy as well brought in from, I think, the Ajax and Dutch national team uh, experience. And, uh, you know, was that's recently with FC Utrecht. Yeah, so I probably pronounced that wrong. I'm not Dutch, so. <laughs> But, but very interesting as well to, uh, yeah, that we had to even pay a, you know, a transfer fee apparently. For, for a video analyst. But, yeah. I mean, video analysts, without like overblowing it, can be really important if they're good Absolutely. at their job. Yeah. But speaking about being really good at your job, one of the most important things as a manager is that first training session you get with the, with the team and with the first team. And that happened yesterday on Tuesday. And from all intents and purposes, it went really well. Yeah, it went really well, except for maybe one thing, and we'll get to that later. But uh, it looked like, yeah, I mean, they were getting on very well. They had, uh, you know, kind of meetings uh, before a little bit of the, you know, the, the drills. And then they had finished off with an 11 v 11 for about 30 minutes, apparently, which... Michael Parker had kind of had pretty much said like, oh yeah, you know, this is something that we're, you know, not really used to obviously, but we kind of relish it because it kind of, I don't think he was even involved actually, but I guess he enjoyed watching it, but <laughs> he was definitely, uh, you know, it's something that uh, you kind of get the, the touch and the, you know, feel the ball back instead of kind of, you know, just endless running and fitness right. training at Which the end of a thing. I mean, tough. think about this is that you have guys like Lorenowitz and Parkhurst who have been around the block and they say they've never really done this before, yeah. but they loved it. I mean, for me, that's just, that's 
starting off the first day right, it sounds great. Obviously, it's just the first training session, but to hear the players already have a positive mindset, mm -hmm. that's pretty neat. I think another really nifty thing that the club did, and you can see this if you go on social media, is where they put the MLS Cup, like <laughs> right by the front door. Right you, there in the corner. You, yeah. you walk in and it's like, oh, there it is. That's what you're working for. They put another one next to it. Exactly. So I, I, I like how they did that. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it was Jeff Lorenowitz that was saying, uh, I might take the back door uh, once in a while because I don't need to see that every single day. So maybe maybe it's a you know motivation for some, but maybe not for some others. But it's interesting. I mean, I still haven't got to take a picture with it, so that needs to change. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I work just as hard in the team stores selling all these things. I'm part <laughs> of the team too, okay? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, and speaking of uh, that training kit, looks pretty bosh. I think uh, with that little uh, little line across it, it kind of it's a little bit more slimming than the. Uh, little halfway belly I did not like seam. the halfway belly seam thing. Yeah. But I have to say, <laughs> yes, they are absolutely looking fresh, but they are not on the sale yet. So keep following Atlanta United on social media. Check the online stores, because usually that is where they're going to pop up first. They went on sale first there last year before they were available in the store. But when they are available, an announcement will be made on social media. So keep following Atlanta United, which let's be honest, you already are because there's some other things we're still waiting to see from them, but we'll touch on those later. Yeah, definitely. But uh, let's move on for Jose Martinez signing a five-year extension. And that's until 2023. That's huge. Uh, there were not details on the numbers of that contract, unfortunately. They but, will uh, be released at some point in time. Though, yeah, I think probably has it near the all end of the MLS season. players salaries are public knowledge by the end of the season so right. we will see that it was rumored around the five million area because yeah, you're looking at some of the players like the the, the highest paid players right. in mls currently zlatan seven million yep then you have javinko yeah i think i i don't know what he's making think but he's somewhere between five and seven yeah. and then is it bradley and altador both somewhere up and around right. there in my opinion joseph is better than all of them bar maybe zlatan but zlatan zlatan so i mean it's one of those, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, he has that uh, kind of, you know, that pedigree from pretty much all over Europe. But, Zlatan. I yeah, mean. you know, and so Jose Martinez, yes, he's done it for pretty much uh, one and a half seasons here. So, I mean, that's for him to be able to get that type of contract and for that long. I think it's, uh, you know, really, really good for not only, you know, if uh, there was a transfer in the future, if that were the case, we would be able to command a really high transfer fee because we would have a lot of remaining years. And then the one thing that worries me, though, is that if it is $5 million, it kind of lessens the amount of teams that might be able to bid on him because the amount of wages that he would be on would be a little bit of a hindrance. But not the biggest and so you know if he is performing and overperforming his contract then it'll be all well worth it oh absolutely i mean again we don't know specifically what he is on right now it was rumored to be in the five million range in my opinion it does not matter how much money he's getting paid because he is worth every flipping penny he gets not only is he amazing on the field, everything he says off the field is absolutely yeah. incredible. Oh, this man. dude loves Atlanta, and I think Atlanta loves Joseph Martinez. Absolutely. These uh, these quotes that he's uh, putting out there, I mean, he is just a quote machine. But let's get into uh, you know what he said in that kind of uh, the the press release that was released by the team. He said, this means a lot to me because of the affection that the fans have shown me that the fans show all of the players. It's unique. They recognize the effort that you give and they know you did everything to win. And I think that's why we love playing here. I have to thank everyone. 
my teammates, the city, my family, and friends, because this is a dream I've always had. I've said before that I don't want to go anywhere because this is my home. You can expect more work, more intensity, because that's who I am. I want to win. I want to do everything for my teammates and for the city. I mean, just build that man a bloody statue build already. Build a statue. Hashtag build a statue. Hashtag I've been, build a statue. Yes, 100%. I've been, uh, I've been banging on it for a while, and I think it's a... Uh, Kind of uh, catching some steam now, for sure. If because this dude scores this more goals, I mean, let's be honest, five-year contract, that means if he keeps doing what he's doing up till he's 30. At around his pace. At around of, his pace, uh, he's going to absolutely goals. smash that MLS goals record. Yeah. And if he smashes the goals record, I mean, he'll set, you know, obviously Atlanta United's goal record, which will be very difficult to beat for anyone, which yeah. is saying, like, the first guy we got, he set the record. Everyone else is just like, dang. <laughs> but, I mean, if he wins more trophies... He, he he will absolutely have one statue somewhere in the city, preferably by the bins. I mean, just what a guy. I mean, for me, I think he had another quote, you know, that was very, very, <laughs> very, very interesting. Oh, my God. Uh, it's something that, uh, I mean, I'll give my reaction after I read it. Uh, so he said, surely right now in Venezuela, they're saying negative things about me because they have a mediocre mentality. For them, they think I should be playing Real Madrid. For me, this is my Barcelona or my Real Madrid. It's not about me being a star. This team has 11 stars on the field, plus all the substitutes in the team, plus everyone who works here at the club, so that's the important thing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, first off, I just want to point out that uh, I think this is his home because saying people in Venezuela have a mediocre mentality <laughs> probably won't endear himself to those not people back much. in Venezuela. Um, But, I mean... Obviously, this part, is my Barcelona. Yeah, part of me is just like, wow, that's saying something because, I mean, Barcelona Real Madrid. But at the same yeah. time, it's like I genuinely believe that he is honest when he says how much he loves his city and how happy he is here. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his interactions with the fans wherever he is in the city. You know, when when he plays on the field, that passion. And I think for many people, if you had questions about his mentality and whether he was a good teammate. I think this is something you can look at and be like, no, he is. The other thing I get from this, and the way he talks about hard work, this dude could be captain at this club one day. Absolutely. You rarely see forwards being the captain. I think for me, the first thing that pops out of my mind, you know, you obviously have a Leo Messi, that's yep. different. Like a Mauro Icardi at an Inter Milan. Mm -hmm. Forwards usually aren't the captain, but this guy, I mean, I would be 100% okay with him being our club captain after wh whoever the next captain is. I don't think it'll be him just yet. No. But if he's staying here throughout this five-year contract... He will have the longest tenured uh, you know, time yes. here. So I want to is. see him wearing the armband. And then when he gets that statue, he's wearing the armband in the statue. Yes. I mean, this is a guy that he will hold his teammates accountable to work hard because even if he's the highest-paid player, you know, highest-paid highest player, excuse yeah. me, he is still going to work his ass off. And he yeah. said that. You know he still wants to score goals. He, if he doesn't score goals, he won't be happy. So no. I don't think he'll be a case of a player who gets paid and you see their performance drop. If anything, mm. I think he's going to play even harder like he says. I believe every word of what this man says. I absolutely adore him. How we've managed to have Joseph Martinez in Atlanta is just beyond my mind. And we're just yeah. lucky we're just lucky enjoy watching this guy play i mean genuinely enjoy watching him play because 
15, 20 years from now, you will still be talking about Joseph Martinez, I think. And he absolutely would deserve to be talked about then because I, I just, I run out of positives and plaudits to give this yeah. guy. I mean, cause yeah, I think people don't realize maybe in terms of Atlanta, um, you know, what he means to Atlanta sports. Like it's one of those things where, you know, he is the best in MLS bar none. And it's one of those things where uh, in other sports, uh, in Atlanta sports, we haven't really had that type of player where it is just inexplicably like there's nobody else that you can say like yes that there was nobody better um you know and so like the the likes of like chipper jones the likes of dale murphy the likes of uh you know historic uh players that made a huge impact in atlanta sports i think joseph martinez in his short time already is in that conversation and it's one of those like i i think it's uh you know if he can really live up to what his production has been sky is the limit i mean i definitely think that if if he keeps doing what he's doing atlanta will have its second you know all-time record holder and something with the other being obviously hank aaron depending on how you feel about that whole yeah, situation but, but it was kind of milwaukee as yeah well but as i atlanta, mean you know so he was still with that club so you still have well he hit that home run as a member of the atlanta Braves. <laughs> he, did, he did you know so it's like he still has there's still atlanta is, there is, is a that. part of that so it's like but I mean, I, yeah, I get there's a but, but it's like yeah. you would still have had two players do that. And mm-hmm. you haven't really seen anyone since probably him yeah. be what he is to that team or what he means to the league. And I mean, again, this isn't meant to throw a shade at like, say, Miguel Almiron, but you can find a guy that gets double-digit goals and assists. It's not necessarily easy, but you can find someone to replace a double-digit goals and assists. Yeah, there were, I think, uh, nearly 10 players that had double digits of goals and assists last year in MLS, but there's only one guy that scored 31 goals in the regular season, and that's Joseph Martinez. Exactly. I mean, this league's been around for 22 years, through 1.0, 2.0, whatever point we're on now. No one had ever scored 30 goals in the regular season until Joseph Martinez. And that's during some of the weakest points in the league where, you know, you had some of the weakest defenses uh, imaginable, and no one scored as many as Joseph Martinez, and Joseph Martinez is scoring that in arguably the strongest MLS has been. Exactly, against some of the strongest teams. He does not care who it is, which is why he holds the hat trick record as well. And he's been here for a season and a half. I mean, this guy is a -a one-of-a-kind player. He's already, in my opinion, an MLS all-time great. I think that he potentially could be the best player to play in this league by the time he retires. Again, I mean, we've been, you know, banging the drum and positive about, you know, waxing lyrical about Justin Martinez for the last few minutes. But again... I just have to say, you know, congratulations to him. He deserves this contract. Congratulations to the fans because you have an incredible player and relish and enjoy every single minute that we get to watch him put on that red and black uniform. Right. And so there might be some naysayers that are like, you know, oh, has he done this for the money? I mean, he kind of hasn't, you know, pretty much uh, said any of that. He is... Like, he even noted that, you know, I'll go to China if I want money. It's really about the love from the fans and the love that his teammates give him. It's all about, you know, pretty much all the, the um, you know, the warm feelings that he feels inside for this city and for playing for this team. I think it's just, uh, that's really point period. I mean, Yeah, I don't. guess the, the only thing you could say to kind of put a bow on it all he already said it in his Players' Tribune piece. His Players' Tribune piece, excuse yeah. me. Atlanta is family. Yeah, Atlanta is familia. I mean, that's 
rings truer than ever right now, I think. But let's move on. Uh, there are just more W's for Atlanta United. And, uh, you know, during the executive awards uh, and the club and executive awards for MLS. Uh, this was for right around the draft. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Up. Yeah, Atlanta United cleaned up in a lot of those awards. Not only Darren Eels uh, kind of repeating as the Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year. Just rename but, it Darren Eels yeah. Executive of the Year. I know, right? <laughs> if uh, you know, another year, they might have to. But, uh, you know, Ticket Sales Team of the Year, Public Relations Team of the Year, Club Retailer of the Year, Digital Team of the Year, Operations Staff of the Year, and Supporter Management Team of the Year. I mean, it's well-deserved. I mean, we were a top-class organization and we were kind of leading the charge of how to run an organization that's just... Yeah. I mean, first class, top to bottom, and that's really all you can say about that. Exactly. But uh, we'll move on. The Super Draft happened and a very, very interesting player and personality was drafted in uh, the last slot, the 24th player of the first round. And uh, it was Anderson Asiedu, and he was from UCLA. Very, very uh, colorful guy, I think. Uh, he's saying all the right things, kind of like a Joseph Martinez. But, I mean, he kind of stole the... Uh, the... He has a very infectious personality. <laughs> exactly. He, he kind of stole the draft, I mean, in terms of, like, you know, uh, the stories that came out of it. I mean, he uh, was saying that, you know, Atlanta United, it is pretty much... Uh, they saved the best for last, in terms of him. Uh, not only that, uh, you know, he was saying, yeah, uh, I look forward to us repeating as champions. Also another good thing to say. Uh, but also, I mean, his story, uh, you know, just really, really heartwarming. Oh, absolutely. This guy, he, he, it'll be interesting to see if he plays for the first team. Obviously, international slots and all that still to be figured out. Right. But I think he's coming into this with the absolute right attitude. He was played out of position a lot in college, but he really showed out in the combine, getting the MVP of the MLS combine. You know, Frank DeBoer talked about how this was the player they wanted the whole time. Now that could be draft speak, but also I think they saw a lot in him. They thought that he was valued a lot higher than where they got him in the draft. So they're again, surprised to get him. Absolutely, yeah. but he's coming into this thing with the right attitude. He wants to work hard, and I think he has a manager that will work with him and help develop him as a player. I think for a lot of people, if you want him to be compared to a player, I think an N'Golo Kante as you know the top level of what kind of player he is, very much in that mold, very right. energetic, short stature, short stature, but, uh, but not afraid off. of not afraid of a tackle, not afraid to get in amongst it, and I think he could be a very productive player for Atlanta in the future. But mm -hmm. we'll see what the future holds for him. But with that attitude, I'm not going to hold anything against him. I right. would expect to see him playing for the first team. Yeah, in that uh, behind the scenes video, Frank DeBoer was pretty much saying like, yeah. I mean, 9 out of 10 balls, he was winning those balls. Uh, it's something that, uh, it's another maybe understudy for Eric Rometty. And, you know, when we have all these games, we will need someone that can actually do what Rometty does times two, you know. And so uh, he can't play every game. And if we're going to get somebody that kind of can replicate a little bit, I mean, yes, he's got some growing to do. But in terms of that, I mean, yeah, he's... Uh, a guy that you know went through college, he's got that kind of uh, you know at least college experience for that, and so you know at least if we can kind of look into that Julian Gressel mold, I mean hopefully he can slip right in into the uh, the team and kind of uh, do what he uh, really pretty much does really really well, 
And uh, I don't think you really need ball touches for that. I mean, you really, if you can, uh, you know, intercept and you can block a lot of those uh, balls and win that ball, I mean, that's Every halfway there. Every team could use an N'Golo Conte. I right. mean, he might not be the flashiest player on the pitch, but that dude stops attack so before important. they start. And if you have one of those guys, that makes everyone else's job so much easier. So I'm excited for the future for this guy. I can't wait to see what he does. And if you haven't followed his story, it's very complicated, which is why we won't get into it here on the pod. It's, but we'll look it down below, and it's uh, very heartwarming. And what he had to do to get to the States is just awesome. But, um, yeah, we also took another pick, and that was Amir Bashti, and that was with the 48th pick of the second round. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's this kind of midfielder forward who kind of can uh, really put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, is another guy that, uh, you know, we're, is looking to go forward and it kind of fits right into the mold of Atlanta United. And so, uh, and he knows a thing or two about winning. He won yeah. three national championships exactly. at Stanford. So that ain't too bad. He brings a winning mentality to things. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, an- another good, uh, you know, guy to have around that, uh, you know, can carry that, that ball forward. But... He wasn't the only new addition in this past week. Indeed. Uh, Yeah, Atlanta United have signed another DP. uh, Not the uh, kind you're thinking. Exactly. That is Dion Pereira. Dion Pereira of Watford. uh, 19-year-old midfielder Ford. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much paid for him. And it's a guy that uh, also kind of fits that mold. Little left winger, right winger that can really dribble and, uh, you know, has uh, an eye for goal. And so that's something that is uh, super helpful. But he does probably come with that international slot. So I think he probably lands at Atlanta too, as well as the other two as well, I think. Absolutely. I mean, for him, he he spent 10 years in Watford's Academy. He, I believe, was voted their best young player at some point in time. He only made two Premier League appearances, but I mean, heck, you played in the Premier League twice, and if he's only 19 now, that means he was 17 and 18 when he was playing those games. So, yeah, he's probably more of a future signing, but again, with a head coach with an eye for youth development, if he's good enough, he will play. So, I think that might have factored into his decision, but I mean... We'll see. You know, he's definitely not a player. I think you should expect big things from this year. But again, we're a club that builds for the future and we're building with youth. So I think it could be productive in the long run. Right. And of course, yeah, yeah. Darren Eels trolled us. He with trolled that. everyone. He was like, it seems like a good day for a DP signing. And, and everyone uh, immediately thought, you know, oh, pity. Myself included. Myself everybody. included. I think nobody. Uh, it seemed a little too easy, obviously. But it's mm-hmm. one of those where you, you never know at this point. So you have to be ready and you have to be like, well, Let's get mentally ready. Okay, is it going to happen? No. Nope, no. not what you thought. Dion Pereira. And he loves trolling everyone. Oh, man. And then he, uh, yeah, I think his follow-up tweet was just uh, an emoji of what? You know, I mean, it's like... He wasn't lying, I guess. He wasn't lying. Yeah. He trolled pretty much the entire league probably yeah, as well, I think. Probably. Yeah, but... And probably all South America, too. Yeah, probably. They were like, this oh, is this happening now? executive of the year. Yep, exactly. He uh, he loves a troll job, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, uh, the, you know, Atlanta United also signed another uh, player, and that was Dylan Castera. And this uh, interesting. yeah, very, very interesting, of course, uh, because we sidestepped the draft completely with this signing uh, and then we didn't sign anybody. And that's very interesting because, uh, yeah, FC Dallas, they took him and uh, it's now this kind of conundrum, sort of. Basically, we signed Castera to a USL contract. And so, yes, we have him there uh, and so we can play him there. But if we are in a pinch 
and he's pretty much our fifth string keeper. If we have to call him up, then, then you know we have to kind of pay FC Dallas. We have to for get his right. rights from Dallas. So but Dallas have his rights for what is it, two or three? Two seasons? years, but I don't think I don't really see that happening uh, unless we are just really in a bind, and I don't think we'll use a Castera because we don't want to pay just for that. And so, uh, but it's a guy that. Atlanta United definitely saw uh, enough in to really, um, you know, make that move for him. And he had actually you know, exited out of the com combine, but it's just a matter of, yeah, it's weird MLS rules and it's just funky, but it is what it is. And I think uh, it won't be a big deal in the end. Yeah, he'll probably spend most of his season with Atlanta United too. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's, you know, okay for, for you know, that type of player uh, to stay at that level anyway, I think. But uh, let's move on. And, uh, you know, the odds for Atlanta United repeating have been, you know, put out there by betonline.ag. And it says that Atlanta United have 5-1 to one odds, the best odds of winning MLS Cup again. And I think, uh, why not? Why wouldn't you think so? I mean, but the other ones are interesting because it's Red Bulls, it's NYCFC, you know, it's... Uh, it's so that third know. place team is what catches my eye. Yeah. Because uh, third at 8-1 are LA Galaxy. Exactly. Yes, they brought in GBS, Guillermo Barros-Goloto, but, I mean, in terms of their defense, it's still pretty much shambles, so... It's pretty much Zlatan. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, so there is that degree. Maybe Zlatan can just, like, will his way uh, and bring them into a playoff spot and, uh, I don't know, somehow, you know, magically win MLS Cup. Um, maybe, you know, kind of Rooney it a little bit into the playoffs at least but I'd rather they I did nothing and then we win our second MLS Cup in a row that'd right. be great let's do it that one yeah but uh, also interesting is LAFC at 10 to 1 there so you know very interesting but if those rumors of Carlos Vela and Barca are true then uh, I guess that they need would to be find another a, um, as bad as it would be for them that'd be a really big move for the league as well for sure. I mean if you have Miguel Almiron and Carlos Vela both moving to Europe in one transfer window one moving possibly to the Premier League the other moving to Barcelona yeah. alone I, but alone still. but still that tells you a lot about where the league is and how other teams are seeing the quality of the players in the league so it's a very positive thing for us for sure indeed indeed so uh let's get into the injury report and Franco Escobar Unfortunately, fractured his right clavicle. Was it Goose? Yeah, it, it was fault? not Guzan's okay. fault. Um, and I know everybody's first thought was that. But uh, I think uh, in terms of that, you know, I think, I don't know, I can speculate. Maybe a collision, probably a collision, or if he fell to the ground or something. But I would think maybe he was trying to win a header. I mean, it's just uh, he's one of those guys that's fearless. And I mean, first day of training, though, that's a very much of a big bummer. But six to eight weeks is the prognosis, and that kind of puts him in a timeline where he would miss a lot of the, not only Champions League matches early on, he would also probably miss a couple games into the regular season. That's uh, very worrying signs, obviously, because he's our starting right back slash right wing back and, and uh, was killing it in MLS uh, playoffs and the MLS Cup. Yeah, and uh, past him... It's probably Julian Gressel beyond that, and then so this means three at the back, right? Like it probably has to be for a while. I mean, it's just one of those. We have who else do five you have? left backs, and we <laughs> or four left backs, and we have one right back. Exactly. It's uh, it's gonna be quite a conundrum, and I think uh, you know, uh, Frank de Boer's hand's probably gonna be a little bit more forced in this uh, instance. So, what we'll probably see early on the season is probably not 
indicative of what he's really going to do later on and when we're all clicking on all cylinders but yeah, absolutely but uh speaking about injuries well he did get injured but thankfully it seems that lgp avoided an injury after well we'll just let you watch real quick yeah uh, oh god and you know it's when you're on these things it's I'm just not right now, really. Like, yeah, right before preseason, it's like, not yo, the time. yo, like, like it's equal parts both hilarious and absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I've seen Barco uh, ride around these things on his patio before, and I'm still like, mm, please don't. Yeah, what are you doing? So I know you have some those naysayers on Barco, like, oh, I'm glad he, or, if he did that, I'd be glad. It's like, yo, he would die. So <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's cool down all these kind of very negative thoughts on all that type of stuff. But yeah, LGP, hopefully and thankfully, probably avoid the hoverboards hurt. in the future, homeboy. Like, yeah. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Not now. Yeah, mm. it was uh, yeah, it was a little funny, but not really. It's uh, yeah, very terrifying, actually, because he is our, I would argue, uh, our best center back. So yeah. he's yeah. the one that does not need to get hurt right now. Definitely not. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the transfer rumors. And, you know, you have that pity guy. update. That, uh, you know, obviously he's inextricably tied to Miguel Miron. And so if Miguel Miron makes a move, then the announcement probably is coming very soon. But uh, there could be that point where, yes, you know... Uh, we have to announce him anyway because if yeah. the deal is done, we need him here in training. Exactly. We need him for CCL. And, you know, when you, you know, uh, have Frank DeBoer pretty much saying that, yes, uh, you know, preseason is such an important part. And if you miss a little bit of that, it will be very difficult for you to, uh, you know, get in the team more or less. It's like, huh, that's a, that's a little bit worrying talk there. But... Uh, in terms of Pitti Martinez, I mean, he's saying a lot, as he has been. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting talk, of course. But, uh, yeah, he says, you know, and I quote, I don't care what you think of Boca. I think of River and now Atlanta waiting for me. I hope to succeed in America now. And that's when he was asked about if Boca Juniors will feel relief from his departure. That's a Claren article that that comes from. It probably will, to be fair, though. He scored some absolute yeah. bangers against Boca. Yeah. Like, apparently, he had their number. Right. Apparently, he shows up to big games a lot and uh, maybe is a, a little bit of a passenger in some of the other games. Uh, so maybe this is why there is that kind of very small purported fee uh, for Pitti Martinez, around $11 million and then plus add-ons. It's very interesting if... Uh, you know, like what's gonna happen when he is here, but uh, hopefully he is here soon. But, uh, and then if he is here, he also has been saying that, you know, the that MLS is a springboard for Europe, which I think that's a good mindset to have. I mean, that gives him motivation to absolutely destroy the league and try to make a move from here to Europe because there is that, you know, apparently Barca and Real Madrid both passed on him or did not show enough interest that he was uh, just, you know, just uh, actually moving there. Right, exactly. Because, yes, I think to this point as well that he might be a little bit of a, more of a squad player on those teams. But for here, if he came here, he He's would a star. be yeah, an absolute superstar if he can uh, really, you know, just uh, get the production that he had at River. Absolutely. And Carlos Bocanegra was actually asked, you know, point blank on Pity Martinez during Frank DeBoer's introductory press conference. And he said, we have our team set right now, but it doesn't mean we can't bring in new players. So, 
I mean, that kind of leaves it open. He didn't really, he sidestepped it as you would expect very you know, mom, a guy to do. Very mum. I mean, I think at this point, we're kind of all of the opinion that it's gonna happen. It's just, when is it gonna happen? And it'll happen at some point. It'll happen at some point in time in January. It, yeah. Again, it's just tied to what happens with Miguel Almiron. And right. I think obviously the front office is probably waiting because they're figuring out all possible scenarios to make things work, you know, depending on what happens this month. I think for a lot of people to also keep in mind, you know, there hasn't been as much Almiron talk this week and we haven't specifically, you know, come out with any rumors. Really the only, newish one is that the Newcastle move is basically dead because they're saying we're giving you 20 million and we're saying 30 so no deal well so, apparently with that though as well is that uh there wasn't a a new offer since December apparently and so that was kind of squashed and so that's very interesting who is uh speaking the truth it's all kind of you know he said she said type of thing where you don't really know uh from who and what is actually the truth. Um, and so that's what's going to be very interesting to see is if Newcastle don't pony up and they get relegated, I mean, their fans are going to have a cow. They are going to not only... They already want to drive out Mike Ashley, their owner, but... He spends zero money, unless, of course, you're Rio Ferdinand and you think he spends all of his own money, but that's neither here nor there. Right. I mean, I think for me, I, I've been, you know, kind of putting cold water on this the whole time. I don't think Miguel Almiron is the guy, you know, to save Newcastle. I think right now the Premier League is really, really physical. I mean, we were watching Man United Spurs this past weekend, and we were watching with Devin, and we kind of all had the idea of, if Mickey was playing in this game right now, he would have been thrown to the ground over and over again. And that's no disrespect to him, but you see guys running around the league like Paul Pogba, like, you know, Nemanja Matic. You have guys like that in every team. They are very physical. They are very strong. And if they know you're going to be getting the ball and running at them, they're just going to throw you over, over and over again. Not to mention, Miguel Almiron needs someone to pass to you. And as of now, Newcastle do not have a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. Solomon Rondon is a bully, basically, but he's not done anything for them this year, which means not only would they have to get Miggy, they'd have to get a striker. Those two things aren't both going to happen. But I think things will obviously kind of really get going towards the end of the month. For some reason, most clubs don't decide to do their business until the last few days of the window because just how it goes. procrastination, just like every other human being, yeah. whatever it is you do. So obviously, really between, I'd say, the 27th and the 31st, that's where things will really get going those last four days. So obviously, keep it tuned to all social media accounts. We will keep you updated with everything surrounding Miguel Almiron and PD Martinez as the transfer window continues on this month. Right, but uh, also keep in mind that it's only the European transfer window and uh, other countries, of course, uh, but other continents, of course. But uh, for MLS, we can actually bring in players for a long while. I think it's till May 7th. And so there is that time that we can actually still make some moves and bring in some guys. And so, uh, you know, it's it's all this like, uh, you know, I don't think you don't need to be too worried if January passes and something doesn't happen in terms of bringing in pity. But for Miggy, yes, that. That is that big decision, and I think with that, uh, big decisions will be made for at least uh, for our DPS. Uh, that's just all tied together. So, with if Miggy moves, then of course Pitti comes in, and then we are freed up that DP spot. But if not, then other things need to happen. Then we'll maybe have to if, get really creative. Yeah, very <laughs> creative, and uh, we'll discuss that on future shows because I'm sure we'll be talking about this for a while. But. Uh, let's get into the mailbag. You guys send in these questions via IG story. Please continue to do so, and we may answer your question in the future. But uh, first question comes from 
P. Nelson, USA. Who's going to play a right back to start the season since Escobar is out six to eight weeks? Right at the 3-5-2, Gressel at right wing back. Yeah, yeah I think it's got to be yeah, 3-5-2 or 5-3-2. Uh, you know, Infractor Bor is just going to kind of get that continuity from the MLS Cup and uh, play it that way until we can get all the guys healthy because I don't know if Gressel as a just pure out-and-out -out right back doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence. I mean, yes, he's being able to do a job here and there, but I don't know for you know so many games in a row. Uh, there's the uh, backup of John Gallagher who played right back at Atlanta too, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of depth there. So I think we're gonna maybe sidestep that completely. And this is definitely you know. gonna be the first challenge that Frank DeBoer faces is figuring out who's gonna play right back. Exactly. That's a that's a big big challenge I think. Uh, and next question comes from Omar1386. Are we maybe setting expectations too high for this year? Is a repeat likely? I'm not really sure where you've heard these uh, high expectations yet. I mean, yes, a lot of, you know, fans and, uh, you know, a lot of people that are in and around the team, they want to repeat. But in terms of, no, I mean, there's so many competitions that we're in. I think... You know, most people's expectations are that, yeah, like if we can do well in most of these competitions, but first and foremost, you know, try to win CCL, that's paramount. And then beyond that, you know, probably uh, with MLS Cup, then Supporter Shield, then US Open Cup, and then Campionas if we can get that far. But yeah. Well, Campionas is a one-off, so. It's a one-off, yeah. I mean, I, I really want to win Campionas Cup because it's a one-off and it's in the bins and it's us against the Mexican champions. And I think that would be a really good statement game. And it's, it is a trophy at the end right. of the day. So, you know, I'd like to win that, but I agree with you. I think that obviously CCL is our most important objective, I think, this year because you win that, you play in the Club World Cup. Mm -hmm. And then right below that, you're going to have MLS Cup. Is a repeat likely? I mean, it's really, really, really difficult to repeat. I'd say if this was a league based on points, hell yeah, I'd, I'd say that I think winning the league is likely. But mm -hmm. it's going to be a new playoff system this year, so you really can't make any bets about it because we've talked about it, but we really don't know how it's going to work until we actually see it happen on the field. Mm -hmm. So in terms of expectations, though, when you win an MLS Cup and you're probably the most successful club in MLS right now in terms of how you run things on and off the field, yeah, it's right to have high expectations. And I think that if you want to be the club the size that Atlanta United wants to be and have the reputation that Atlanta United wants to be, the expectation has to be to win and to win everything that you're in. That's what you see at the biggest clubs around the rest of the world. You expect to win your league every single year. And I think that's where Atlanta United wants to be. And that translates to the fans. And when you have the expectation to win, but then you also have players who want to win, everyone feels more confident. So I don't think expectations are necessarily too high. I think everyone's just confident in the direction this club is heading, mm -hmm. and we're confident in our abilities to win and be successful in the competitions we're competing in. Right, but I think you know we shouldn't get too low if uh, you know some results early in the season don't go our way and we drop some points because yeah, I mean not only is Franco Escobar out, we have you know a lot of competitions that we're in, and then on top of that, you know these guys they're just coming in after one month off it's not very you know not a not an easy road in the beginning and uh with all that kind of uh congestion uh, that 
that really, uh, I think we just have to temper our expectations there. I really don't think so. I think Supporter Shield don't even count on that this year. I don't, I'm not even counting on winning it. I'm not worried about winning it. I think something that's gonna be really important this year is having a deep squad, which is why, again, I think youth players will get a chance this year because not only do we have all these things, a lot of our players are gonna be going either to the Copa America or the Gold Cup in June well. slash July. So they have international soccer on top of things. So they'll be missing games with Atlanta United. I think you're gonna see Frank DeBoer rotate his squad a lot this year, which is something that Tata Martino was very hesitant to do. But I think it's something that you will see from Frank DeBoer, which will be very, very critical to keeping guys fresh and not burning them out by the time you get to the playoffs. I'm willing to sacrifice finishing, you know, third or fourth because I'm confident in this team to go somewhere else and win. And as frustrating as that would be to maybe not host an MLS Cup final here, I still feel very confident in this team performing home or away, but you have to be able to be fit and rested by the end of the season. And it'll be tough. So yeah, we might have some games where we drop some points where it's really frustrating, but it's just gonna be how this year is. So. There's always going to be low points, even for the best of teams, mm -hmm. but I still feel very, very good about where this team's heading and what they can do this year. Yep. Next question comes from A Smith02. Do you think the extension will benefit Joseph's career? I mean, when you make probably quintuple your salary and you sign a five-year extension with a club that you feel is in your home city now, mm -hmm. Absolutely, I think it benefits your career. I think it puts him in a very strong position. He's making a lot of money. And if he ever was to move, it would have to be a very lucrative pay packet, not just for him, but for Atlanta United. So I think he's put himself in a great position for the future of his career, in my opinion. Yeah, well, in terms of monetarily, yes. Uh, but in terms of maybe motivation or, you know, the will to win, I don't know if you really need to worry about that with Jose Martinez. I mean, some other guys that when they get a big contract, yes, they may ease off the gas pedal he is a little not bit. not that guy. But yeah, I mean, I think every word that comes out of his mouth is about winning. I mean, he tasted his first victory with a cup, you know, with MLS Cup. I think that's uh, something that has made him hungrier. He's talked about it in uh, numerous press conferences and press releases now. Like, yeah, that's, uh, I think, utmost of importance for him is to be able to uh, lift trophies. And I think yeah, that's the winning mentality that we really want from him. Next question comes from Lopez Saul397. Will Joseph's salary compare to Zlatan's with his, with this new contract? Yes and no. I mean, yes in that compare. he's going to get paid. You can compare them. He will not be making as much as Zlatan. Zlatan is rumored. Well, it's not rumored. I think it's official. He's signed a $7 million contract this year. So he will be a DP. He will yeah. be a DP. I think he will be the highest paid player in the league. But again, Zlatan. So, I mean. It makes sense. It makes sense. Next question comes from Keaton Thomas 61 After Joseph, who would be most likely to get the next contract extension? There's actually a lot of players on that list who I think deserve one. I mean, yeah. I think Julian Gressel is absolutely a player who deserves a contract extension. Um, I mean, yeah, he absolutely deserves right. I one. I think LGP for one, LGP. Uh, you know, I think he's somebody that has shown that he has been a rock at the back. Yes, there are the odd errors here and there. Uh, Devin, yes, uh, thinks he has an error game in him, but I don't really agree hey, with that. Hey, if Frank DeBoer can have that completely <laughs> ironed out of his game, he probably won't be playing here. But yeah, I'd exactly. rather him, if, you know, I'd like him staying here. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's done rather and quite well at LA. United. I think he's one of the best center backs in the league. Exactly. If not, like one or two in the As a ball playing center back, probably the best in the league. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, you know, there's those two. In terms of anybody else, I mean, I think 
you know, the other guys have a little bit more to prove probably. And, or, you know, they've just signed like a Darlington Nagby who, yeah, he, you know, he, he's worth his contract right now. But in terms of, uh, you know, the actual stats, stats, it's not like he's going to be able to get a crazy contract with, uh, you know, the lack of in-product stats that he has. Um, anybody else? I mean... Not really. I mean, Tito's uh, already on a very good contract because right. he was a DP as well, remember, before that yeah. contract was bought down. So I think really the only people you can look at are the people who you didn't expect to be doing as well as they were. And I think in that, it's it's Gressel and it's LGP. So I'd right. say those are the two guys who probably would get them next. But mostly because I think those are two players that you'd want to keep at your club and to kind of form a backbone of a club to continue on. So right. I think both of those could be players that might get one in the future. Right. Last question comes from Mr. Vandalind. What if Almiron stays, can we sign Pity or loan him? Um, We've been discussing this a lot in the WhatsApp group for Atlanta United Fan TV. Uh... There's a lot of things that could happen. We really don't know because it's just a complicated situation. I think obviously Atlanta would love to have all the players that you know have all the DPs that they could have, but we're in a league that restricts that. Um, I would not put anything past our front office to be very, very creative and do something that you know bends the rules and leaves everyone else really pissed off at us because that's what our front office does. They find the loopholes, they find the workarounds because no one's really had this issue in the future, I mean, in the past before. So I think ideally in a world, Miguel Moron will still be sold in January and Pity Martinez will come in. But if it's not, I really don't want to speculate too much because it's, it's just a very interesting situation where the club will have a dearth of, of you know, riches really. And it, it's like, yeah. when you have as much stuff as you have, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's hard it, to really say. It's one of those where, uh, and I think if I'm reading the question correctly, uh, you're asking if we sign Pity or if we loan uh, Pity to another team. I think it's absolutely Pity's coming to Atlanta United. Yeah. It's just a matter of who is going to be the other person that leaves the club. And is it, it going won't be to be Joseph Martinez? Yeah, so, so that's it will two be out of three. Miggy or Ezekiel Barco. And so Ezekiel Barco, if he is loaned, there is that. Uh, yes, it might be really good for uh, his development because yes, he had kind of a troublesome first year with us. But uh, you know, if we have Miggy, Pity, and Joseph uh, for our CCL run, I mean, that's very formidable. But uh, I also don't want to cast Barco aside that quickly because exactly. as it good as it be could be for look. his development, mentally it might not be a good look for him because he's like going, wow, you really don't rate me that much. You're getting rid of me. for Even if it's just six months, just think yeah. of it how it is as a player sure. that you're you know getting sent away after six months because someone better than you is coming in. But I thought I was the best because you broke the transfer fee for me. So... You know, it's it's a complicated situation. I fully trust in the front office to figure out a solution for this that'll at least, if not all parties are happy, that will leave the fans satisfied in some way. So it's definitely, without, you know, dodging the question completely, it's going to be a wait and see because... There's plenty of time for us to uh, be able to see what's going to happen at the end of the transfer window because I think that's really when it's going to happen. And so, you know, with all that, uh, I think hopefully... You know, we have better news in the coming episodes, but uh, I think, you know, we can speculate as much as we want. But uh, in terms of that, it's really going to be when the time comes, uh, you know, there will be options. And I think we just need to kind of quell our fears. It'll be okay. At the end of the day, whatever option or whatever happens, we're still going to be in a really, really good place because we're either going to have three really good players or three really good players. So... 
But anyway, moving on to that, guys, we are going to get into the question of the day. The question of the day is this. Do you think Joseph Martinez can break the all-time MLS goal-scoring record? As it stands right now, it is 145, but Chris Wondolowski is one behind that, and he plans to play in 2019, so more than likely, it will be more than the 145 that it is currently, maybe in the 150s somewhere, but do you think Joseph Martinez can break that record if he stays at Atlanta United? Abso-frickin-lutely, in my opinion, I think he can smash that record if he stays here throughout his contract, and hopefully onto another contract after that one. I wanna see him score a lot of goals. I'd love to see him hit 200. I think he can do it. Who knows, if he's hitting that many goals, it will be happy days for Atlanta United fans. But guys, get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And we have some merch in the links below. Help support the channel and buy as much merch as possible. If you're Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.